0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name's Tim. Is it loud for you? It's loud for me. So, who's in charge of this town today? Who's out there? Somebody point and blame the person, okay, wherever he is. There he is, right over there. Okay, there he is.
1: Okay.
0: Now, welcome to Greater Alton Church. It's good to have you with us. Uh, it's cold outside. we got a bunch of snow, and I got to try out my tractor again. I had a lot of fun. And I hope that uh, you enjoy yourself as well here uh, with us this morning. I know it's like I say, with the weather it is that you come out, that's wonderful to see that. And um, God bless you today. Uh, You'll notice in your bulletin, uh, there's several things in our bulletin. Next week, we're going to be doing some caroling. Our groups are resolving everyday conflict groups are going to be combining and going out and caroling different people. And I hope that your your particular group is coming up with names and sending them to Allen. Make sure you text them to Alan uh, uh, or get them to the office and they'll get them to him. We're putting together a master list so that we don't have like 10 or 12 groups at one house. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of scary. You know, we don't want that to happen. At the same time, uh, we want to make sure everybody that we're wanting to sing to and and love up on uh, gets covered. And so if you've got some people in particular, your group, put that list together. Make sure you get it in at the office by Wednesday, by Wednesday. But next week on the 22nd. Uh, toward the evening, we're going to be doing that caroling all over the place, and then we're going to come back to the building here at eight o'clock, where we're going to have hot chocolate and some cookies, and um, and maybe have some photos with the Grinch. You know, uh, I'm not I'm not talking about some member here. Okay, don't be looking at them if you think that's who it is. But, um, you know, Bob Quick is going to be dressed up like the Grinch, and and we're going to have a sleigh and everything. You know, I hope you'll enjoy that. Speaking of the Grinch, the kids are doing a series on the Grinch, uh, a three-week series. They'll be wrapping that up next week. Again, if it's your first time here, uh, you'll notice in the bulletin there's a set of notes. You can follow along. You can uh, fill in the blanks. You can take those notes home. I hope you'll take, all of us will take these notes home and look at these scriptures and look at these points a little more in depth. Um, uh, it's important that you check out what I'm talking about, all right? Just don't take my word for it, but look at God's word and let his word uh, teach you. But uh, if you'd like to follow along with those notes, you can. And if you'd like a free uh, CD today, if it's your first time here, you can get a free CD of today's lesson, and I would recommend it, not that it's because I put it together, but I think it's a good lesson. I think we're going to learn some things here today on correction. And you just ask for it there in in the small dome, around the Welcome Center, and they'll be more than happy to give that to you. Okay, I know there's lots of stuff in the bulletin. I think the toy giveaway was put on hold because of the weather. Uh, there, if you'll, by the way, there's some fellows here. Would you, who worked on the horses? Would you stand up if you worked on the horses? I know Chris is here. and Charles, where are you? There's Nathan, Chris. There's Charles. There you go. There we go. I, I, I swept up the place trying to keep it safe in there and uh but we put together four horses this year, and uh, they're they're going to be given away at the toy giveaway and uh, so just appreciate all your help with that and donations to this uh, to this community service uh, It glorifies god it glorifies God celebrates christmas too okay we're talking today about resolving everyday conflict. Our small groups are going through additional material, and uh, we've been learning all kinds of things about conflict we're finding out that conflict is everywhere, in everything, and with everybody, right? It's in our music, it's in our media, our movies, it's in the workplace, it's at school, it's at home. And even though you're a Christian, you're not immune from it. Have you noticed that? Even as a Christian, conflict is ours, Sure, you have conflict with the world, but even with that aside, you have conflict with the friends you love, even in a church. I find, I'm finding, I've been a Christian since 1977. I'm an old Christian and there has I can't think of a week or a day that goes by. There's some kind of conflict in the church. I thought this was a safe place. Amen. It is a safe place, but conflict is is part of growing. It's a part of changing. In fact, look at a passage that we believe here at Greater Alton in the book of Proverbs. By the way, we're going to be looking at a lot of Proverbs today. Because it talks about correction. Look what it says. As iron sharpens iron, so went one man sharpens another. It says it like two pieces of metal, one sharp, one dull. It's together. It's making noise. It creates friction, contact, heat. And what happens? The results are someone sharp. But it comes from the conflict, the resistance that happens when we work on each other. And see at Greater Alton... I don't know what it's like, uh, where churches you've been, I've been attending, but we believe in making disciples here. We believe in helping people grow. And that means people are going to be in your business. If you're wanting to go to a church where nobody sticks their nose in your business, I don't even know if you can find a church like that, by the way. This is the wrong church. Because we're going to stick our nose in your business. What are you talking about, Tim? The Bible calls us to help one another. That's what love is. The Bible says better open rebuke than hidden love. And, and one of the ways we grow is from having contact with one another. But the thing is, conflict occurs when we're together. Am I right? It happens all the time. There's always some kind of conflict between somebody, maybe, maybe at home, but especially at church. And look at this other passage here. It says here, if you listen to correction to improve your life, You'll live among the wise. Now, one of the things I've noticed is this, that one of the factors in escalating or reducing conflict in my life is how I give and take correction. Correction is a part of growing. Would you agree? It's Criticism is a part of growing. You, man, if you're alive, you're going to be, you're going to be criticized. How do, I know, how do I know I'm going to be criticized? Because I criticize. And I'm not the only critic on the planet we we do it to each other we we receive it from one another and whether it's and by the way one of the things about criticism is this is we don't like it we don't like being corrected i mean who does it stinks it hurts no one likes being corrected it's it, we don't like people exposing or confronting our faults our mess Calling us out, so to speak. And the thing do I want you to see is that, is this idea of that. Yet correction is a part of improving your life. Now, how do you respond to correction? Ask yourself that. How would you How would you answer that? How do I respond to correction? How do resp- How do I respond to constructive criticism? You want to know the answer? I had somebody in the first service say, "I sometimes I'm very good at it." I said, well, you know, the, what you really want to know? Ask your friends and ask your family. And they'll tell you how well you are, how good you are on, <laughs> on taking correction and criticism, constructive criticism from other people. And you see, the Bible says that it's, it's, it's very clear here that correction is a part of improving your life, it's a part of growing. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about how do I benefit from correction? How, how can I make correction a blessing? How can I make it improve my life and be wise and grow and mature from it? Well, let me give you five thoughts here that I think five steps I can do. The first one is that correction becomes a blessing when I let go of my ego. When I just let go of my ego, my pride and my ego and begin to humble myself and begin to listen that's when correction can be a blessing in my life. I mean, let's face it, like I said before, who wants to be confronted? Who wants to be corrected? Who likes being criticized? None of us like that. I was looking on my cell phone a second ago, trying to remember when this happened. It was in 1986. I remember going down the Great River Road. I was with a friend. We were going up the Great River Road to, to uh, look at eagles, uh, look at the eagles, it was, it was in January, and um, as we were going listening or uh, listening to music, not Christmas music, but listening to music, the radio suddenly breaks in with some news of special bulletin. The Challenger had just exploded 75 seconds into its launch. And I remember looking at my friend going, "Oh my, what happened?" You, many of you can remember that day where you were. And, I, and I, I remember going home and it was on the TV and it shows it going, and then remember the explosion, and then there's, you see the booster rockets doing this, and it's tragic all aboard. Kristen McCullough, a teacher, was supposed to be teaching lessons to her, to her uh, class and to other classrooms across the country, but the lesson that, they, that we learned from the Challenger wasn't what she taught. We learned a different lesson, didn't we? Well, what happened? Well, if you remember, the preliminary investigation went like this. They said, well, there was an O-ring issue. These O-rings that were supposed to be in the booster rocket, supposed to work in a certain way, did, did they malfunctioned. There was a malfunction, and so to speak, and then this big explosion. But as the investigation went on, they found out why this, this shuttle exploded. It wasn't just the O-rings. What had happened was pride was at the, at the bottom of it. Upper management Steve was warned by those on the floor, the grunts on the floor, that the O-rings and this and ro- these booster rockets wouldn't survive. they'd break down under extreme cold, and they didn't listen. And because of it, seven astronauts are killed. Pride. What is it that keeps us from benefiting from correction? Pride, our ego? Our ego. Maybe you can think of somebody that's like this. They got lots of pride. You can't say anything to them without them an explosion or a response or reaction, a poor reaction at that. Now, maybe you might think of somebody like this. Maybe maybe you think of someone you, you go, you know, be, you warn people, watch out, walk on eggshells around this person. Or maybe they've said that about you. Usually it's somebody, maybe it's a husband. He can't really say anything because he explodes. Some of you wives know what I'm talking about. Maybe it's a parent. It's, maybe it's just a, a parent. You know, parents, we teach our kids, don't you question me. When our kids begin to question us, don't you question me. And so they learn early. Oh, man, take it easy. Around mom and dad. Or maybe there's that boss at work. You know, they won't listen. Don't look at me what. We- there's that boss that that, you know, you, you can't say anything. I've, I've been watching. I've been watching Imus in the morning and I know maybe it corrupts me a little bit here. I've been watching Imus in the morning comes on real early in the morning. I've been taping him, and I've been and you know, you know, if you don't know think about Imus, he's a grumpy guy. And he's got all these people around him in the radio station. He's criticizing this, criticizing that. And what's everybody say around him? Uh Uh-huh, sure. You're right. You're right, Imus. You're right. You're the man. You know what you're talking about. Then one one morning this week, a Catholic priest came in, and he began to interview. uh, Imus began to interview him, and Imus started bragging about doing some cool things and, and feeling good about it. And the priest said, you know what? You might want to try something else that's even better. Instead of looking for something that makes you feel good, why not just do good because it's right? And he exploded. I'm going to rip the collar off of you. Everybody else going, you're right, Imus, you're right, Imus, you're right, Imus. You know, people like that. They got yes men around them. As long as you agree, we're going to get along. Disagree with me and I'm going to throw you under the bus. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a husband. Maybe maybe it's just. Well, have you noticed this? Maybe it's a preacher, or an elder, or a leader in the church. Amen. You know it's true. Oh, you don't want to cross him. Don't get him mad. And have you noticed that all these people I've mentioned are people in authority? They have some kind of authority. And you have to walk on eggshells around them because, you know, you don't want to trip, make them go crazy on you. Why? Why do they have such a hard time? Ego. Ego. I got news for you, church. You don't have to have authority to have a problem accepting correction. You probably have some authority in some form or fashion. But I want to tell you, you don't even have to have it to have trouble accepting and regarding correction, what makes the person? What makes it so difficult? It's pride. Look at the Look at the Bible says here. Solomon says this in, in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs thirteen verse ten. He says, "Pride causes arguments." Is that true? Sure, it is. Pride causes all kinds of, of uh, causes all kinds of conflict, and it robs us of the blessing the blessings of correction. It's this desire to be right and this fear of being wrong that makes us respond poorly when someone criticizes us or corrects us. Well, How does does my pride get in the way? How does my pride get in the way of correction? Let me give you three ways it gets in the way. The first way is pride makes me defensive. It makes me defensive. What happens is I interpret correction... As a personal attack. Been there. Done that. Somebody criticizes you and you take it as a personal attack. And so you fight right back. There's a there's a proverb I've added to the past. Uh, let's see if we've got it. We have it. Proverbs 18:19. This is not in your notes. But look what it says here. It is harder to win back a friendship an offended brother than to capture a fortified city. His anger shuts you out like iron bars and that's what happens when we get offended we get bothered with somebody somebody tries to encourage us somebody tries to help us somebody tries to speak truth in our life and bam the defense shields go up and we shut them out like iron bars we get defensive that's what pride does pride also not only makes us defensive it makes us bitter when we're full of pride we get bitter because pride makes it personal, I'm easily offended. I wear my feelings on my sleeves. So when someone insinuates or says something, and by the way, by the way, I'm not indicting you as much as I'm indicting me this morning. I just want to make it clear. We're all kind of in the same boat on this one. Alright? Just want to make that clear. My wife's, Amen, Tim. Amen, Tim. Amen, Tim. You know, we got into it the other day, and we both had our charts, that graph, on the table instead of here, looking at it. It got stupid. Okay? And what happens? I get sensitive. I take it personal. Don't try to tell me what to do. And I get angry. get bitter when someone's trying to point something out. Anybody else besides me do that? Sure. We get bitter. Thank you, Gary. We get bothered. We get bothered. Gary and I are the two that are bothered. Lynn nodded her head, so there's three, I know. So... We get bitter. Look what it says here. Mockers don't give those who rebuke them or don't uh, don't love those who rebuke them. So they stay away from the wise. I got my feelings hurt. So I'm going to take my Bible or my ball or whatever it is and go home. You bothered me. You hurt me. And I don't love them. Why? Because I'm angry with them. Why? Because they're always on me about this. They're always on me about what I need to be doing, what I need to be giving, what I need to be, how I spend my time, who I need to be dating, who I need to be marrying, who I, what, how often I need to read my Bible, blah 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 blah, blah yada yada yada. Right? And what do we do? I'm not going around you. Why? Because you're always telling me what I need to do. You're always telling, always encouraging me to follow Christ. So I'm going to stay away from you. Why? Pride. You won't let go of your ego. Your ego is in the way. And also, pride makes me blame. It makes me blame others. Look at this passage. I thought this was interesting. Proverbs again. People's own foolishness runs their lives, but in their minds, they blame the Lord. You know anybody like that? Things are going bad. Things aren't working out really well. they got conflict going on at work, conflict going on at home. Something isn't working out. And who do they blame? Instead of taking responsibility and looking at themselves, they blame the Lord or they blame somebody else. That's what pride does. We always pass the buck. We push it off. We deflect what, we're, what, what people are asking us to look at because we're afraid of how we look. You see, if, if somebody points something out to me that I'm not quite measuring up in, then I guess I don't measure up across the board. And that's not true. It's just in this particular thought, in this particular avenue, you know, this particular area, I need to look at it. But pride makes me generalize it, and pride makes me deflect the correction. I thought maybe they started the Olympics, and, you know, people are skiing now, and nobody told me, Pat's coming out, he's trying to figure it out. All right. I don't know what to tell you. Now, let's look at this passage again. I showed you this passage one time. Pride causes arguments. Look what else it says, though. Let's read the rest of it. Pride causes arguments. And look what it says here. But those who listen to others are wise. The Bible says, it says, yeah, pride will cause an argument. It makes, it makes conflict difficult. It, it makes resolving difficult. It makes helping difficult. But man, when you start listening... When you start listening, when I humble myself, when I, when I admit I'm immature and ignorant. I don't know. I first heard the word ignorant. Somebody said I was ignorant. I got mad. I thought they meant I was stupid. You know, I, you ever played that little game at um, Cracker Barrel?
1: <laughs>
0: You're an ignoramus. <laughs> i throw it across the you know. <laughs> You know, one of my boys goes, I only have one left. Oh, hmm <laughs> Skipped a gene, I guess, skip to me, you know. Got to him. Great. But you know, you hear that word, you're ignorant, and it's not it just says I don't know. And can't we just admit I don't know everything? I know you can admit that I don't know everything, but can you admit you don't know everything? <laughs> that we just don't know everything, that we have blind spots, we have weaknesses. You see, that's what happens when I humble myself. And when I open my heart and I start listening, that's when I learn. That's when I start growing. That's when I start getting better. And that's when I'm wise. It's not a sign of immaturity. It's not a sign of immaturity that I'm listening or a sign of weakness. It's wise to listen. That's the first thing. Number two, correction becomes a blessing when I believe God is behind the correction. Here we go. You ever thought about that? God could be behind it? Well, I don't see how. Right. You, you and I, we don't see how because we are at a disadvantage. We are earthly. And God is seeing things from heaven. And he says, you know, I mean, look what the Bible says here. It says, it says, you're blessed is the man. It says, happy, joyful, happy is the man. Content is the man whom God corrects. So don't despise the discipline of the Almighty. this is said by a friend of Job. That's a true statement. It was said to Job, it's a true statement. How do you know that, Tim? Because he says it elsewhere in the Bible. He says it elsewhere in the Bible. Look what it says here in Hebrews 12. After it talks about our fathers disciplining us, then it says this, but God's discipline, and look what it says, is always right. Would you circle always right and good? Always right and good for us, and Maybe cross out us and put me. You're crossing out a word in a body. Yeah, cross it out and put me. Make it personal. But God discipline what is always right and good for me because it means I will share in His holiness. So God sometimes, you know, the discipline, the correction, and it can come in any form. You know, I don't know who coined the phrase, God works in mysterious ways, but He does. He can work through anything and anyone and, and, and guys, we've got to see that God is behind correction. God is behind the criticism, even if it's unfair, even if it's unfair. I've learned a lot from unfair criticism, and not just that person's a jerk. I've learned that they're kind of right. They're close enough. I mentioned something about pride being defensive. You've ever done this? Somebody says to you, you know, they say to you, uh, that happened three months ago. And you say, no, actually, it was 85 days ago. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, that's it's close enough, isn't it? And see, God, God's discipline works and for good. It's always right. And it's always good for us. And God could be behind Some of this discipline, you say, you have any examples of that? Let me show you an example, Old Testament example. This is in 2 Samuel. And what's going on here is, if you remember, you remember after David and Bathsheba, we talked about last week. What happens is, is Absalom, David's son, runs his father out of town. And on his way out of town, he's with his with his entourage, his soldiers and his entourage are on their way out of town. This guy named Shimei comes out, and he starts throwing pellets and stones at David and says,
1: You, you, you man of blood, you such a scoundrel.
0: And he's throwing over, overhanded now. We're not talking like, hey, like, like a wedding. No, we're going like this. And, he, and you can just imagine he's riding his horse, or he's in his chariot, and the horses are like, whoa, 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 you know, and, the, and the guys are going, What's going on here? And one of the fellas next to David says, Let me go over there and just cut his head off. Guys, out of line. And look what he says. Look what David's responsive. If he is cursing because of the Lord, the Lord said to him, curse David. Who can who can ask? Why do you do this? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him so. You know he's told. He's told. You're a man of blood. And wasn't didn't the, didn't the Bible tell us that when David wanted to build the temple, he couldn't build it because he had blood on his hands?" What's David saying? It's true. It's true. I killed a bunch of people. I killed Uriah and a bunch of innocent, a bunch of other innocent soldiers. And I did, I did take over Saul's kingdom and we killed a bunch of his family too. And what's David saying? God's behind the correction. I need it. Guys, here's a king. You're never too old to be corrected. Here's a king, a man after God's own heart. You're never too committed to be corrected. You're never too committed. You understand me? I'm a real committed Christian. I don't deserve to be corrected. David was. He was a man after God's own heart. And God was the one correcting him. And a lot of times we just blow off this correction and criticism or, or observations or challenge, guys, because we go, oh, I can't be from God. Are you sure? David says it's from God. And I'm going to take it. I'm going to listen to it. I believe it. I deserve it. And I need it. Here's a third thing. And that is when I listen for the truth. I want correction to become a blessing. It'll happen when I listen for the truth. It's, look what it says here in Proverbs again. A wise person pays attention to correction that will improve his life. Let me ask you something. What are you listening for when you're in a disagreement? A gaffe? A technicality? An inaccuracy? You're not quite right about that. Like I said before, yeah, you know, it wasn't three months. It was only 85 days ago. You're off just by a few days. Sorry. Doesn't fit. Really? What do you listen for? Are you listening for truth? Are you listening? Guys, when it comes to correction and challenge and criticism, we are so immature. Look at the Bible says here in Proverbs: A fool shows his annoyance at once. Well, I I, have a, I tell you what, I have lived that part of the verse many times. Huh? Fly off the handle. I'm offended. But a prudent man, what's it say? A prudent man. What's a prudent man? A wise person, a learner. A guy that's let go of his ego, he overlooks an insult. Can you overlook an insult? What do you listen for? What do you What do you listen for? You see, a prudent man can overlook an insult because it isn't about who's right, but what's right. And the reason you should, you and I should be interested in listening for the truth and the things that are being said to us, because the truth will set us free. And many times we have to be corrected over and over and over and over again, not because we're making the same mistake over and over again, because we're not listening over and over and over and over again. So I need to listen for the truth. Number four. And this one is really interesting. I find this very challenging. And that's when correction becomes a blessing in my life when I find my security in the cross. Years ago, a friend and I were up in Chicago and we were dealing with an issue with another church. And We're talking to them and, you know, I was getting kind of I was getting kind of fed up. This guy was just pounding on us pretty good. And I finally went, you know, I'm getting tired of your mouth. He goes, huh, I'm getting tired of your criticism and arrogance and, you know, you're just putting us down. Do you know how many times how many hits I've took for you? Do you know how many times I've been emotionally beat up and people written me off defending your ministry? And he said, You know what, Tim? Maybe you need to get secure in the Lord.
1: Oh! What?
0: Maybe you need to get secure in the Lord. I was furious. What are you trying to say? You're insecure. You think I owe you? Why don't you get secure in the Lord and it won't be a problem? Ever since then, I've been trying to get there. And you know what I've learned? Especially through this series, I am not secure in the Lord. If it's hard to be corrected and hard to be approached, it's because I'm not secure in the cross. And this is a very challenging thought. You see, there's two things I need to remember that help me get correction from the cross. Two things you need to remember this morning. First, the cross condemns me. You see, I think it's very difficult for me at times. and Maybe it's for you this way. It works this way, too. It's very difficult for us to hear the correction from others because we don't we aren't really hearing the correction from the cross. You follow me? That I can't hear the criticism of others in my life because I've really not been listening to the criticism that comes from the cross. What are you talking about, Tim? Well, look at how Paul says it here in Galatians. He says it like this in Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live.
1: Can you say that? Do you even think about that? I don't.
0: I've been crucified with Christ. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Were you at the cross? Were you? I mean, I remember there were three crosses. I didn't see four. What's he talking about here? He's saying, Tim, when Jesus was crucified... It was my sin that was on that cross. When Jesus was crucified, he was judged by God, but I was judged by God. He was condemned by God, and I was condemned by God. Don't you understand? You were condemned by God. You were judged by God. You were criticized by God. The cross is there because of you, Tim. Yes, it's because of God's love, but you're a part of this. And you should be able to say, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. See, I, guys, the cross confirms. The cross confirms that you and I are broken and we're lawbreakers. We can't keep anything. We can't keep promises. We can't keep our word. We're constantly violating. Why? Because we're sinners. Does that have any force in your life? Don't these words carry any kind of force that make you go, man, I'm judged by God. I'm condemned by God. I'm criticized by God. I'm corrected by the cross, by God. Look how Paul says it here in 1 Timothy. This is the true saying, and he says, and look, and everyone should believe it. Who? I should. I'm part of everyone. Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners. And I was the worst of them. What part am I supposed to believe? That Paul was the worst sinner? No. That Christ came to save sinners. And maybe he's saying, you need to embrace it this way, Tim. You're a pretty good sinner. You're you're bad too. Why? Why would I? Why? That doesn't, I don't know about you, but that doesn't excite me. Does it excite you this morning? Of course I know the cross condemns me, Tim. Here's how being secure in the cross works for you and I, okay? By realizing that I've been condemned by God, that I have been judged by God, corrected by God, criticized by God. Why have I bent when somebody points it out? Why am I even bothered when someone points something... This is really messing with my head this morning. Why should I be bothered when somebody who doesn't know everything hasn't condemned me for everything, but it's like the
1: hem of the garment?
0: When God, I stand, you and I stand at the cross before the judgment of God who says, Tim, across the board you don't measure up. Then why do I have a problem? Because I don't... Why do you have a problem when you point something out in my life? Why do you have a problem when somebody points something out in your life? Because you're not secure in the cross. The cross, guys. I'm reminded of the Cowboys, Mr. Nightlinger. Remember Mr. Nightlinger? Does anybody watch the Cowboys? Maybe you haven't seen that in a while. You gotta go watch it. John Wayne. You know Bruce Dern kills John Wayne, ruins his career. Remember Bruce Dern, he's up in, up in that guy's face, Mr. Notlanger goes, he goes, we're going to hang you. And he goes, and remember what he says? What can you do, white man, that's, not ever been, that's already not been done to me? What's he saying? He's saying, you got, you got nothing on what I've been through. And guys, when we see the cross and its powerful impact on condemning us, what can someone say that get, get our nose bent out of shape? When, that All they're doing is they're mentioning one little,
1: little little, thing
0: that God has a whole exhausted list of.
1: They're understatements at that. When you stop and think about it.
0: It's a fraction of the massive judgment of the cross. The cross condemns me. I need to remember that. Paul did. I've been crucified with Christ. But, you know, by the way, I don't want to leave you there because I'm pretty low right now. <laughs> I don't know about who you are. Okay. God says I'm a jerk. Okay. I'll take it from other people. Well, here's the great news, though. The cross also justifies me. Amen. What are you saying, Tim? Because it justifies me, I don't have to defend myself. Isn't that what you do? Isn't that what we do when people start Putting on us to say, you did this right. Well, yeah, well, let me tell you all the good things I've done. Like, that's going to offset the bad things I've done. And the problem is, every good thing I can think of, I can think of two or three bad things I've done. It doesn't
1: offset it at all.
0: I can't get any righteousness here. That's because you and I aren't capable of righteousness. There's nothing we can say or do to justify some of the things we do. All it does is confirms we're broken. We're busted. But the cross justifies just as if I'd done nothing wrong. So that means that all I got to do is I can say to you, hey, you can't talk to me like that because I'm justified. Does it make me defensive? No, it makes me secure. So when you do say something to me or I say something to you, the correction becomes constructive, not destructive. You follow me now? It actually is a good thing. Look at these passages. Again, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But he says, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What's he, what's he saying? By faith, I'm just going to trust the Lord. that he's That his discipline, that I deserve this correction. But the life I'm living now is, is the justification He gives me. The forgiveness He gives me. So when you bring something up to me, I'm going to use it as something to help me grow and help me be what I need to be. I'm not going to be so defensive about it. Look at, look at this next passage. I love this Romans 3. We always, we always read Romans 3.23, but look at Romans 3.24. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, aren't you glad that word's there? And... It's saying all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified. That's what he's saying. Are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Where did that happen? On the cross. On the cross. So see, now I rely on God's love. And I don't fear criticism anymore. I don't worry about how I can defend myself because God accepts me. And that makes correction a positive thing and a blessing in disguise. Amen. Number five. Let's wrap it up. I'm trying to repent from last week. Number five. <laughs> Correction's a blessing when I appreciate those who are frank. I know Frank's here in the audience. There's Frank back there, but I'm not talking about just Frank. I'm talking about people who are Frank. People who are just honest with me. Guys, do you have people that'll tell you the truth when everybody else will just ignore it? That will tell you, hey, I see something minor or major. They level with you. Do you know that the, that's the best friend you could possibly have? Do you treasure them? Look what it says here in uh, in the book of Proverbs. Valid Valid criticism is as treasured by the one who heeds it as jewelry made from the finest gold. He's saying having a friend that will level with you is a rare jewel. Having somebody who will call you out, that will be straight with you, is priceless. Do you value them? How do you know if you value them? You listen to them. It's like wearing gold on the ear. That's what one translation says. It's like wearing something golden on the ear. What I that mean? I'm listening. It makes my ears beautiful. Makes them work. And look what, look what David says here. He says, I love this. Let the righteous man strike me. Oh, he's being figurative, right? No. Now, I'm not saying greet one another the holy slap this morning. But he is saying, let the righteous man strike me. Why? It's a kindness. David's, David's attitude toward people who strike him, who hurt him to help him, he goes, it's really kindness. Let him rebuke me. What's he mean by that? Let him correct me. It's like oil in my head. It's like medicine, good medicine. My head will not. Refuse it? Why not? He values it. Do you have somebody like that in your life, or have you been fighting them off? I um, get your cards out because I'm getting ready to close here. Um, <laughs> I was at the I went to the ER last Saturday, and a lot of you didn't know this. I didn't say anything publicly because it was silly. I ran my head into the garage door. I didn't open it quite high enough. And when I'm walking out, bam, and I got this one inch cut. And I'm thinking it's going to be fine. And it usually quits bleeding. I grew up on a farm and when it starts bleeding, that's good. That means you bleed out real good. And way it will no infection. And then it will finally quit, if not, wrap a rag around and keep going. For two, over two hours, I'm fighting this head wound. Blood, blood. Oh, come on, stop bleeding. Just for a little while. I take a selfie. I take a selfie. Because I can't see it. How do you do that? I can't do it. So I take a selfie of it and look at it. It looks pretty bad. It looks kind of weird. And so that's the truth. And so I go, I'm going to the emergency room. I leave my cell phone at the house. Denise is shopping. Nobody's at home. I'm driving myself to the emergency room. Rad. Keith's bleeding. I decided to try another emergency room. I'm going to go to St. Anthony's this time. You know, I've been to, uh, they know me by a first name basis over at Alt Memorial. I think I'll try some new people. <laughs> you know, like Tim the Tool Man, I'm in trouble all the time. So I walk in and there's nobody there. This is great. And there's this lady and, and I'm thinking she's going to call me. And there's a piece, there's this thing that says fill out the, and I have to fill this piece of paper out. I put it in the thing and I go sit down and she walks out. Tim! Right over here. I walk in, step down, and she's taking my blood pressure. So what happened? Well, I, I, I've, been, I've been injured. I've been hurt. Oh, where? I go, you look fine. I go, it's my head. I hit my head. And she looks, oh, my. Well, um, on a scale of one to ten, how does it feel? I said, oh, a one, maybe. 20 I'm on the annoying chart. But it's a one. I hate getting cut because it, 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 it holds you back. It delays you. And so I'm, I'm, you know, she goes, OK, well, hold on here. And then I go into the waiting room and I wait or into the room and I'm waiting into this room. Here comes a nurse. She goes, she walks in. Don't know these people. They walk. I'm going to have to shave your head. all of it. Oh, no, no, no. And she pulls out a razor. I carry this all the time. Is it how should I be in here? Oh, Yeah bad. Okay. She leaves. Here comes another person. Gets my paperwork. I give her my card and all this stuff. Still sitting there. And here comes these two doctors. And I swear to you guys, they look like Ben and Jerry. The guys on City Slickers. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Big, tall guy, a strong guy. Hi, we're the doctors. And I'm like, what? So what happened? I said, I cut my head uh, walking out. The garage door wasn't high enough. I didn't give it high enough, and I wasn't paying attention. and hit my head, and it's been bleeding for a couple hours. Okay, well, how does it feel on a scale of 1 to 10? And I'm like, here we go again. Zero, meaning it doesn't have any, you don't feel anything, and 10, meaning you ah, and I go, well, zero. I don't, feel, I don't feel anything. It's my head. Ask Denise. She'll explain what that means. I don't feel anything up there. A muscle head here. So he goes, well, um, would you like a shot? A shot? Yeah, I'll give you a shot. And it'll numb it up. Well, I don't think I need it. And before I could even get the nail, two staples
1: right in my head.
0: And my eyebrow goes.
1: Kid you not. I go, Doc, my eyebrow, you stick it up.
0: He goes. Here's what you do, Tim. Turn your head this way when you're talking to people. You look younger. That's what he's doing. I'm not kidding. And I go, are you serious? And he goes, yeah. And he walks out. And I'm standing there like, thinking, maybe there's a cheap facelift. I could get one over here, a couple back here. He comes back in. He goes, okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put this ointment on here. Here's some ointment. Here's, here's these little t- tools. You can take the, the staples out in ten days. In ten days, I tried to get him, tried to get him out in seven, and I was voted, overvoted, kind of like outvoted. And so, so uh, he, here's what you do. Blah 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 blah. And Ben and Jerry leave. And then Jerry comes back in. The little guy. He goes, listen, you don't have to. Go to the doctor to get this done. Really? No. You can't. Anybody can operate these things. They'll save you some money. I said, okay, thanks. I said, I got, I got a son and a daughter-in-law that are going to be like graduating and be nurses here in May. Oh, give it to them. It'll be like clinical work. Yeah, I'll let Okay. So I have an appointment on Wednesday with uh, either Brian or Matt, and they're going to take these staples out. What, are they going to charge me? <laughs> That's the other daughter-in-law. huh? <laughs> Here's what happens. So you say, well, so what are you trying to say, Tim? And I, this long story I say to the end is for this reason. I didn't know these people from Adam. Five different people. I didn't even know them. They didn't know me. I don't even know their names. I called them Ben and Jerry. I don't know what they're real Bill, John, I don't know. Don't even know them. And yet, I didn't, I didn't question them. We're going to, I'm going to shave your head. Okay. We're going to put a couple of staples in your head. Okay. I remember saying to Doc, I feel like a couple of pieces of paper. I said, <laughs> he goes, it'll, it'll be fine. I, I, guys, why would I listen to two people that don't know me? You know, I'm driving down the road home so relieved that I'm not bleeding anymore. By five strangers. That's everybody from the person that registered me to the two doctors. Why will I not question them? Why would I not go, no, we're not doing that? I just go, yes, sir. Yes, sir. OK, got it. Here's the bigger question. How come with people that I do know, that do know me, I resist when they're trying to help me? Mull that over. Let's pray. Holy God, help us take correction.